let me tell you what's going on there. They were limited because of COVID. Now Bermuda has shut down every church. No church whatsoever. And trying to keep it together, and he's finding it very difficult as his people are scattering. And he's been pastoring for years. He's been a member of the ACM for years. He's a great man, got a good prophetic flow. He loves God, he loves the people. There's been times where he's called me and said, I got a word for you, Bishop. He's always right on. So let's just strengthen this church, amen? Let's just pray for them. And uh, we're all going through testing times, amen? But uh, he was really down. I can tell my son when he's down and he was down. So let's pray for Dr. Tyrone and Dolores. And, uh, she just retired about two, three years ago. The only prison I have in Bermuda, she was the chief warden. Amen. And uh, she's just retired, so she's gone through adjustment also. Let's pray for the both of them. Amen. Let's lift our hands up to the cross. Pastor Eric, would you lead us? EA Sim Church in Bermuda. Dr. Ty and Dolores. Father, I thank you and I praise you right now, oh God, for Dr. Pastor Ty. Father, I thank you that your presence will touch Bermuda. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, let your glory fall upon Bermuda right now and upon that city, upon that region in Jesus' name. Touch the pastor's heart right now. God, I come against the spirit of discouragement in the name of Jesus, oh God, that will try to turn his heart away from the ministry. We bind it in Jesus' name, God. But I thank you that you will send a spirit of encouragement to the man of God. In the name of Jesus, God, edify him, uplift him right now, oh God. Touch his heart, touch his mind, oh God. Let let souls come from the south, the south, the east, and the west. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, oh God. Let souls be consecrated and, and, and continued, oh God. That they, that church will give you glory, that that church will give you honor, oh God. Let the spirit of God touch that house. Let finances be in that house. In the name of Jesus, oh God. We break every authority of the enemy that tries to come against them to being defeated in Jesus' name. But I thank you and I praise you, God. We speak to Bermuda now. We speak to the landways. We speak to the byways in Jesus' name. We speak to the air right now in Jesus' name, oh God. And we declare your glory upon Bermuda. Hallelujah. Let fresh wind fall upon Bermuda, God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we come against, oh God, every demonic tactic and every attack in Jesus' name, oh God. We come against every demonic spirit, oh God, that tries to come against the ministry of Jesus Christ, God. And we declare the lordship of Jesus Christ over Bermuda. Hallelujah. Over that nation, over that region, over that president, over that government. Right now, in Jesus' name, over every politician, in the name of Jesus, God. And we thank and we praise you that you will have your complete way, oh God. Have your fine way. Hallelujah, God. Make your way straight in the house, oh God. In the name of Jesus. And we thank and we praise you, oh God, that your Holy Spirit will fall afresh. And I thank you, oh God, that worship will flow in that house, oh God prophetic worship will flow in that house oh God hallelujah prophetic miracles that signs and wonders I prophesy that signs and wonders will hit that house in the name of Jesus let signs and wonders follow them oh God in the name of Jesus and we thank you for it now and we call it done and it is so in Jesus name amen 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 thank you pastor put your hands up Bermuda I decree and declare open. 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 Amen. Good Lord, have offer. Uh, my blonde girlfriend is gonna go up tonight and share the word. Hallelujah. Amen.
Thank you, Jesus. Did you take that? Glad you're joining us on live stream for the word tonight. I'm going to ask the um, worship team to come back at the end to do every praise because that's what this is about tonight. Praising. Woo! Amen. We're going to go out of here praising and jumping and shouting tonight. How many of you believe? That Jesus, when you invite him in, that he will honor your praises. Amen? I want to talk about that for a moment tonight. I called it, Invite Jesus In. Look at your neighbor tonight and say, Invite Jesus In. That's right, I'm not talking about salvation he comes in at salvation and he inhabits amen but I want him to stay how many of you want him to stay alright so let's look at this tonight now we ain't, we don't have um, our scriptures tonight so you gotta do your bible thing here so if it's on your phone fine if you have your Bible, that's good too. It's good to carry the word with you. Amen? Amen. And so look with me at Psalm 100, and we're looking at verse 4. Psalm 100, verse 4. It says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Say praise. All right, give thanks to him and bless his name. Jesus gets all excited when we praise. He gets all excited when we're thanking him, when we are worshiping him. Now, if we're talking about back in the day when the temple was around, there were no church buildings like we know them today. Right? You didn't get to walk up to First Assembly of Utica Road. There was no evangel church building back in Bible times. But there was the temple. Or the tabernacle was the place that God inhabited. Correct? If you wanted to worship God, you had to go into the temple or you had to go before the tabernacle, the tent. And the interesting thing is that today, how many of you thank God so much that this is the temple? Touch your heart and say, this is the temple. This is where God lives. Look with me at 1 Corinthians 6.19. This is how Jesus put it to them. Don't you know that your body is a temple for the Holy Ghost? 
Now, say this with me. Say, Ruach Hodesh. Ruach Kodesh. That's the Holy Spirit in Hebrew. Ruach HaKodesh. He says, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives inside you, whom you receive from God? The fact is, you don't belong to you. Look at your neighbor and say, you do not belong to you. Now, if we know that and believe that, then we ought to be really doing some stuff different. We don't just get to do whatever we want when we belong to him. But how many of you know Christians that just keep doing whatever they want? But they're Christians. But he says right there, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit living in you. You don't belong to yourself. Now say this with me. Say, wherever you go, there he is. That's kind of creepy and scary at times for some people. Wherever you go, there he is. I often say to hurting, broken people, you want to leave this place or that place and go to other places, but I want to tell you that wherever you go, you're going to take you with you. So if you want to get away from this over here and go over there, you better get some healing because you're going to take you over here with you. Does that make sense? Wherever you go, though, and you know Jesus, he's there too. So you don't own you. And you don't get to go and hang out and go to the bar at night and just hang out and drink in yourself to a stupor. Because you don't belong to you. You don't get to go to the racetrack. Well, you can't go there anyway now. But... You don't get to go to the casinos or do your thing because you don't belong to you. You don't get to go drive uh, to a city and hit the dope house because you don't belong to you. You don't get to stay in the privacy of your home and flip on your computer or your iPad or your phone and watch porn. Because you don't belong to you. Say, she's messing. He says, don't you know? Say, look at that verse. Don't you know? How many of you, when you're trying to get something across to somebody, you want to kind of tap them and say, don't you know? What is wrong with you? And so we have to get to that understanding that wherever we go, if we say we love him and serve him, he's going too. Now enter his gates. Let's look at that word gates in the Hebrew. 
gate in the Hebrew now, this is interesting if you're a note taker, it means storm. It means tempest. It means a determination or something horrible. That's a gate. It means the context of it is it's a doorway to God. In the Hebrew, if you just said the word gate, which is sha'ar, sha'ar in Hebrew, that would have meant a doorway to God. But there could be a tempest. There could be a storm. It could be a gate into something or a doorway into something horrible. Now, how many of you would have said, well, I ain't going through no gate? Skip that idea. But there were gates to cities. And you could be stepping into a city into something really horrid. (laughs) Or you could be stepping into something that was going to be kind of shaking. Now, if you look at the first letter in the Hebrew of the word gate, this is interesting. It's expressed as shin, S-H-I-N. Looks like shin, but it's shin in the Hebrew. Now, this is good. First letter of the word gate in the Hebrew, and it means passionate for God. Passionate for God. So how does that fit into the storm, to the tempest? Because when you pass through the gate to God, you experience that stormy, passionate love that God has for you. And you experience that stormy, passionate love that grows in you for God. Now, that's a gate you do want to go through. The second letter of the word gate in the Hebrew is ayin. The Hebrew letter ayin, A-Y-I-N. Look at this one. It's the deep spiritual insight. So as you go through this gate for God, it is you are driven to deep spiritual insight when you seek him. You're driven as you go through this gate. You just got to have more of God. Which makes me wonder. So when we give our hearts to Jesus, it isn't just about saying a prayer then, is it? It's about a heart change, right? It's about I'm going through this gate when I give my heart to Christ and oh, I experience this incredible storm of love and I'm driven. I just got to have more of God. So I eat his word and I look at everything I can to just fill me up. How many of you can relate? How many of you would say, yeah, man, whoo, When I get into the word, I just got to have more time. How many of you have found, sometimes you feel like, I can't, I can't spend a whole half hour in the word. It's like, it's like looking at Greek to me. But then you start getting into it. 
And God, with his passionate love for you, starts making you hungry for more. And before long, half hour goes by and you're going, wait, I got got to stay here another five minutes. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So the first letter is that passionate love for God. The second letter in the word gate, I-N, is that deep spiritual insight. Now we get into the word, but how about when you get into that prayer closet and now he takes you into that deep place, but now you've gone through that gate and it's kind of horrible because he shows you something about you. He shows you that horrible part of your sin nature. And you're like, ugh, okay, God, I don't want to see this. I don't want to look at this. It is like a detestable object. And he's saying, okay, chill. We're going we're gonna to take care of it. And he gets this big old eraser. And he just starts blotting it out. And he works on you. And you're in worship and you're in praise and you're crying to God. And you're saying, Lord, change me. And he's just taking that big old eraser and getting rid of the horribles. How many of you thank God he gets rid of the horribles? Your sin nature. Now, back in the day of the tabernacle, How many of you know they would have a covering over to cover the tabernacle like a a, a veil you'd walk through? Only Only the highest priest could walk through that veil, right? Here's an interesting point. In the culture of that time, animal hair was woven together to make a doorway into the tent of holy. A doorway to get into the temple. Because, you know, they didn't have what we have now. Swinging glass doors, handles, bars. But they would make out of animal hair a tent, a, a covering to walk through. And so the animal hair was often made of lamb's wool. Isn't that interesting? So the tabernacle was a place of meeting God, and that covering over it was made of lamb's wool. Why not camel skin? Why not the skin of another animal? Lamb's wool. Because see, we have to go through the lamb of God to get into the place of holy. And this is really good too. When they would part that veil, that covering that you would open to get in, that was not meant to keep you out. But it was meant to keep dust and dirt from polluting you and coming in. Come on, how many of you are getting this? So exciting. 
back in that time of the Bible, God already had everything in place so that when you gave your life to him and you went through the gate, you might see that sin nature and he would take a big eraser and begin to cleanse you by the blood of Jesus. But in order to get in, you had to go through the Lamb of God. And once you got in, that shut off behind you so that that enemy, that dirt, that scum of the day could not come in and violate you. And he does it for us every day of our lives. He makes it so that, listen, my blood is covering you. And if you'll get on your face before me daily and you'll say, Jesus, cleanse me, cleanse me, heal me, forgive me, grant me that gift of repentance. I shouldn't have said this. I shouldn't have done that. Wash me in your blood. Then guess what? He takes that tent covering and he says, no problem because that enemy ain't getting in no more. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. That lamb's hair served as a protective material covering the doorway. And today, that lamb still protects us from the enemy. The enemy can't get in. He can't get into your temple unless you invite him in instead of Jesus. See, how many times a day do we go through stuff? Come on, how many times a day are you challenged? It's like you feel like, devil, go drive someone else crazy today. So many times, and the question is simply, who do you invite in? Do you entertain his thoughts? He keeps bombarding your thoughts. You know, I find myself several times a day, I bind my mind to the mind of Christ. Devil, shut up. I'm sick of you. Not today. You're finished. Get out of here. And if I have to get physical, I do. I boot him. I just elbow him out of the way. Do whatever you got to do. Amen? You just get rid of him. Because he's going to constantly... That's how he wears us down. Well, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And it's just like, ugh. No, I shut you down. I bring every thought captive to the obedience of the Lord Jesus. I bind my mind to the mind of Christ. God says whatever I bind on earth is bound in heaven. So devil, loose. Get off of me in Jesus' name. You got to do it. You got to do it. Because whatever you invite in is coming. Look at your neighbor saying, invite Jesus in. Invite Jesus into the situation. Invite Jesus into the circumstance. You know, some of us think, I blew it. It's too late. Never too late to invite Jesus in. He's so awesome at taking plan B and making it plan A. Isn't that true? He's the only one that does it. Well, I I know, Pastor Cheryl, but I said this. I shouldn't have said that. I did this. I shouldn't have done that. You know, now that person hates me. 
Listen, invite Jesus in. You know, sometimes I'll be out in the backyard walking around, picking up dog poop. I have some of the greatest conversations with God. And I'll say, man, Lord, I just blew that. And he'll say, that's okay. You see that you blew it. That's the key. I know. But now what do I do, Lord? I'm sorry. What do I do? And he'll say, do this. But don't do that. Okay. He'll say, and shut your mind off. You're just eating all this condemnation. How many of you hear what I'm saying? Have your conversation with him. He answers you. Yeah, good point, Colonel Wren. Not with yourself. We have these conversations with ourselves. That's not good. That's not good. Because you're going to tell you to do something dumb. (laughs) So that Lamb of God, man, he just cleanses. But again, who are you inviting in? If, If you invite Jesus in, then you accept what he shows you to do. Some people just can't say I was wrong. Some people can't do it. How many of you know people that just can't say, I blew it, I was wrong? We got to say, I do too. Well with, well, with Bishop, I'm usually right. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. The third letter of the word gate in the Hebrew is resh, R-E-S-H. And that word translates Just guess what? Repentance. You're like, oh my God, here she goes again. But listen, this is so awesome. In the word gate in the Hebrew, when we invite the Lord in and experience and pass through that gate with his passionate love for us, when we invite him in and we go through that gate and we get that deep experience and insight from him and he shows us ourselves not to beat us up, but to redeem us, to love on us, to cleanse us and to forgive us, then the third thing that happens is repentance is granted. That's a gift to you. When you cry out to God, when you are broken before him and you're humbled and you say, sorry, God, and you mean it and he knows it, guess what this repentance thing does? You're washed, you experience that love, and then you get thankful. And that word that is uh, uh, Hebrew for thankful is called todah. T-O-D-A-H. And do you know what that translates? Praise. How many of you can get lost in praise when you are thankful because he has cleansed you, he has forgiven you, he has redeemed you, and you know it? See, that's the key. So often, saints, we don't know it. We say we do, but we live like we're walking, carrying 100 pounds of baggage. He says, no. When you enter that gate and you come through my gate with thanksgiving. That's what the word says. 
So you never look at it that way. You enter the gate with thanksgiving because that word gate translates he's taken you in as you've gone through and he has loved on you and he has cleansed you and he has healed you and he's bringing you through and he's shown you the garbage in your life. But then he says, watch this. And he washes you with the blood and then you're cleansed and you are so thankful that as you come through that gate, man, you're just jumping and shouting and praising him. Tauda. Praise. Thanksgiving. I mean, how can you be anything but when you know you've been forgiven? See, how many of us know that we know that we know we've been forgiven? That he loves us that he cleansed us, that he saved us, that we don't need anything else, but we have the blood of Jesus. How many of us don't really know, though? How many folks do you know that walk around looking like sour pickles all the time? And they're going, I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus. Oh, I can't wait. I'm sure they're going to want what you have. I'm serious. How many of you ever heard of that uh, one animal character in Winnie the Pooh, Eeyore? Eeyore. Eeyore walks around so happy to be alive. Hi, Winnie the Pooh. I'm just walking through this day. And he just like, oh, my word. Are you happy, Eeyore? I'm so happy. (laughs) But there's people like that. Are you saved? I'm saved. Are you excited? I'm so excited. That's why God made Tigger. If you know Winnie the Pooh, Tigger is somebody who's like, I'm so excited, hallelujah, yes, you need Jesus. Oh, come here, I'll tell you about Jesus, and you'll get so saved, and you'll just be so excited. And here's Eeyore. Here, let me tell you about Jesus. I believe God gives us characters so that we can say, oh my, I would rather be Tigger than Eeyore. Praise. Praise and thanksgiving. They are doorways to God's heart. You ever want to see a father and their daughters? You know, my father, even, I grew up in an alcoholic home. My dad was not a violent alcoholic, just a snarly, nasty, murmuring and complaining kind of alcoholic all the time. You know, just nothing was ever good enough. You know, if, if I brought home a B, it should have been an A. If I bought an outfit, you know, well, I, I, if I'd have bought that for you, you would have never worn it. You know, just negative, negative, negative. But when I look back, one thing I can tell you is my father, I was his little princess. And how did I know that? Because my father 
It was, it was almost borderline worship. I, you know, if I was, like, one semester, I got a D in geometry. You know, math was, algebra was great, but geometry is like, I don't know about all that oblong and curves and all that jazz. Okay, so on the way home on the school bus, I'm thinking, okay, I got to figure out a way to tell my dad so he doesn't ground me or something. So I said, okay, I know exactly what I'll do. I'll cry. Because every time I cried, my father, even if he, you know, one time in my whole entire life, he smacked me across the face for sassing my mother. And I'll never forget, I just started crying. And he goes, I'm so sorry. I was like, wow, this is cool. So I got home from school, and I said, you know, my father came home. My mother goes, oh, you're going to have to show your dad. No, I don't want to show dad. And my mother's going, he's probably going to ground you. No, I can't be grounded. I'm not that bad a kid. So my dad walks in from work. I greet him right at the door, and I said, dad. He goes, oh, my God, what happened? I said, I got a D geometry. He said, that's okay. We'll work it out. Yes. I know, my dad, you're going to ground me. No, 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 honey. Come on. We'll work it out. Yes. That's how God is with his kids. He does chastise us. He will chastise us. But when we are truly repentant, God just loves his kids. And when you praise in the midst of your junk, if you can get on your face and be so serious and be so sincere and say, God, I hate this thing in me. I don't want to do it. I do it, and I don't want to do it. And Paul said that was something that would happen, isn't it? And we get honest with God, and we say, I hate this in me. Guess what he does? He says, begin to praise me. I'll lift that burden. I'll come against that thing with you. We're going to get you free. I'll never forget. I was a 17 years a bulimic and anorexic. Well, bulimic, not really anorexic. Probably from the time I was well, let's see, go to age 30 and back it up 17 years. So what is that? See, I told you I wasn't good at math. 17? Till I was 30 at 7? No, you're not good at math either. Okay. Come on, people. 17 from 30 is 13. Thank you. 13. So 13 years old, I started because I was in the dance world in the ballet. And our ballet master would come around and swat you in the behind, in, in the belly. Not hard, but enough to embarrass you and make you ashamed, so you would lose weight. So he would constantly smack me and say, you got to lose five pounds. So I lived every day of my life with this five-pound thing. And from 13 till 30, I would abuse laxatives every day. I could have owned stock in X-Lax pills. And I wouldn't just take two like you're supposed to. I'd take seven to ten a day. I shouldn't even have a body left. 
So from that time, at the age of about 30, Bishop came into my life and started talking to me about deliverance and started telling me how God wanted me free. And I said, well, I've been a Christian for a long time. How come I ain't free already? He said, look, let me just get his team. We'll pray for you, and you'll be free. And I'm like, yeah, right. So I went through deliverance, and I got free. Well, I want to tell you something. When you've been set free of something, that long you've been struggling, there is nothing that you don't, you just jump, shout, praise, hallelujah, glory to God. And I was, I was wrecked for God after that deliverance because I didn't have to be tormented anymore. When you praise, God's heart is moved towards you like never before. That's why tonight, if you've got something that you struggle with, it can be something as simple as cussing. It can be something as simple as, uh, I don't know, whatever it is. Maybe you smoke cigarettes and you, you want to stop. Maybe you're drinking a little too much and you want to stop. Maybe you're still doing drugs. Whatever it is, God can set you free as you begin to praise him. Oh, no, Dr. Cheryl, it just can't be that easy. Yes, praise is a portal into the presence of God. Now, look with me tonight at Revelation 3. You see, praise is a portal. It's an access into God's heart into God's presence. Remember we talked this morning about the letter hey, H-E-I? That's God's presence. Praise is a access, a doorway, a gate into hey, his presence. I'm going to tell you what, no demon of hell is going to stay in his presence, right? If you were the devil, would you stay in God's presence? You'd hightail it out of there. Look at Revelation chapter 3. We're almost done. How many of you are getting this tonight? All right, look at verse 14. Chapter 3, verse 14. To the angel of the Messianic community. I'm looking at the Hebrew Bible. Uh, the Messianic community in Laodicea. He says, here's a message from the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know what you're doing. You're neither cold nor hot. How I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, you're not cold, you're not hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. For you keep saying, I'm rich, I've gotten rich. I don't need a thing. You don't know that you're the one who's wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Wow. What's he saying? Laodicea was famous for being neither cold nor hot. They were lukewarm. And God, it made God want to puke. Why? Because here God was saying, if you come through the gate, I will give you such a passion 
such a love. If you come through that gate and invite me to come, I'm going to make you so hot for me. I'm going to make you so redeemed and so free. And here they were. I'm rich. I got cars. I got money. I got clothes. I got houses. I got airplanes. I got all the trappings of life. And if I got all this, then God must be blessing me because I'm prospering. Sounds like today. (laughs) Right? He says, you keep saying, I'm rich, I'm rich. I got this and I got that. And I I got everything I need. And God's saying, you're disgusting. You're wretched. You're a pathetic mess. Wow. And you try telling that to some folk who think prosperity is the whole gospel. (laughs) But that's what God was saying. Yeah, they're hot after what they got in the world, but they are lukewarm when it comes to me. They can take me or leave me. They, you know, they aren't hot. They could, they say there are a few little scriptures and think they've arrived. You know, uh, they're a mess. That made God want to puke. See, here's something cultural about that time. Back in that day, Jews would have known by the time Revelation was written, the Jews would have known that Jesus was trying to make his presence known in people's lives because all of his disciples were scattered everywhere. You know, why was there the diaspora, the scattering of the Jews and the Gentiles everywhere so that people would get saved? And so historically, they would have known, the Jews would have known that message that Jesus preached was everywhere, just like today. How many people do you run into that would say, oh, I I never heard of Jesus? Not many. Most people will say to you, oh, I, I, I know God. Yeah, but do you know Jesus? See? So they'll tell you, I know, I know. Are you saved? Well, I'm baptized. So, so you got wet. So what? Do you know Jesus? Oh, well, my mother goes to church. Okay, that's relevant. I'm telling you, these are the answers we get. When we, when we go into places and start preaching, this is what they tell us. Bishop said to this one young man, he goes, are you saved, brother? He goes, uh, yeah. He goes, my mother goes to church. Oh, <laughs> But do you come to church? Yeah, we're, we're going to get in through mom's coattails or what? Are you with me? They would have known that message. And they would have known that by knocking, he was talking about praising. Because when you knock back in biblical times, that knocking would have meant praise to get into the presence of God. Also in that time, it was a practice, culturally, that if you had a dispute with somebody, then you would 
go and arrange a time to sit down for dinner with them and talk things through. That was a practice. That was a traditional way of dealing with your enemy. Sit down, have dinner, and talk it through. Well, isn't it interesting that in Psalm 23, verse 5, it says, the, Lord's, the Lord is my shepherd, but it says in there, he prepares a table before mine enemies. In the presence of my enemies. What's he talking about? He's saying, God had set the record. God had set the standard of how you can work and, and have peace with your brother and sister when you come through the gate and know me. You can sit at a table, and even if you have a dispute, you can work it through. Now, relate all of that to Revelation 3.20, which is a familiar passage to us. If you've got your Bibles, go to Revelation 3.20. He says, I'm standing at the door knocking. He says, if someone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and I'll eat with him and he'll eat with me. It was a traditional practice back in that day. This isn't something Jesus conjured up. It was a traditional practice in the time of the Jewish culture that you would come to someone's home and you would knock. And if you were entering their home or the gate, it was a sign of praise. You were granting them a reason to be happy and excited. And you would go in and you would be filled and you would dine and you would share. He's asking the same thing of us today. You know, Bishop always preaches Revelation 3.20 that a lot of theologians and a lot of pastors preach that as an invitation to get saved, right? You've heard that in a lot of uh, altar calls for salvation. He's at the door knocking. No, that scripture wasn't written to the unsaved. That scripture was, hey, I'm knocking at the doors of my people's hearts, because they are the temples. They're the gates. I want to invite the worship team back up tonight. Because we're about to close. But I want to close with this. Two thoughts. The blood cleanses us from sin. But when we enter when he knocks at that door and we open the door, we should be getting ready to praise him. And we should understand that the blood cleanses of us, but praise, praise, 
Praise will set you free as you enter into that storm of love that hits you. As you enter in and he shows you the stuff about yourself. And then he washes it away in his blood. And then he pulls you to himself and he reconciles you. And he eats with you and dines with you. Man, that should make you want to shout. We got to get excited about Jesus. If we get excited about him, the world will get excited about him. You know, I was saying to people this morning, I told uh, during the morning service in Chicago, there is uh, an evangelist, Sean Feud, I think his name is. And this gentleman is a young person, probably in his 20s. He takes a team of people and they go all the different states that are struggling and having rioting and looting right now, they go into the heart of the activity and they set up instruments and sound and speakers and they set it all up and then they have a praise and worship service right in the heart of it. And all of a sudden people that were rioting and looting are coming and they're getting on their knees and they're crying out to God and they're getting saved. And then he sets up a a baptismal tank or if he gets near water, he baptizes them. That's what's going on. Now the media don't show you any of that. But I got to post it on my Facebook page. Listen, God is up to something. One last little observation as I was studying. I said, God, when, we, when you knock, all we got to do is open the door. Right? He doesn't say, I stand at the door and knock, and you open it, and you walk through. He says, I stand at the door and knock. And then he goes on to say that he comes in, right? So when, he, when you just got to open the door, and it says that Jesus is going to pass through, he's coming in. Now, in biblical times, what would happen is that people would pass through the doors of the temple and go in and worship God, right? Now, that's not unusual. We do that today. You open the doors of the church and you come in and you worship. But he said here in Revelation 3.20 that if we invite him in, he will come in to us and bring his presence. And he will come in to us and he will give us a reason as the Holy Spirit fills us up that we will suddenly begin to praise and worship. Because he comes in. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to make the effort to go in. I, I don't know if I should go in. Well, I want to go in, but I, I don't know if I should go in. And all we got to do is open the door and say, Jesus, come on in. Fill me up. Forgive me and wash me. I just really need you right now, God. And he doesn't, you don't have to beg him. He just comes in and he just whoosh and washes you and fills you up 
and it's like you're brand new again. And he says, come on, I'll just fill you up and I'll dine with you and I'll eat with you and you'll be in my presence. And sometimes we just need to shut up and we just need to put the worship on and let him have his way. Some of us, we don't like to cry. Cry. We don't like to shed tears. Shed them. Cry. Scream. Do whatever you got to do in your prayer closet because it's just you and him. And he has this tempest, this incredible presence of his love that will overwhelm you. And yeah, you'll see some horrible things through the gate, but then he just washes you and fills you and redeems you and turns everything around because you are the temple you are the temple and you have to say come on in Jesus the doors open come on in fill me change me do whatever you gotta do let's stand tonight we're gonna go out of here Shouting, We're going to go out of here free. But I want you to lift your hands right now. Father, you see our hearts. Father, tonight. Now I want you to just take your, heart, your hand and open the door. Father, we open the door tonight. You've been knocking. And we're opening the door, Jesus. Lord, we're needing you to cleanse us us. We see the junk in us, but God, your love is overwhelming us. Oh, God, just tell him about your struggle. Tell him whatever it is. He knows it, but he wants to hear you say it. Tell him, tell him, say, Lord, I need you to deal with this. I don't want this in my life anymore. Maybe it's your words. Maybe it's a bad habit. Whatever it is, it's not too big for him. God, we're asking for a Holy Ghost infusion. We're asking for the blood of Jesus to just wash it away. We're asking for change, change, change in us, God. Change us. Change the way we think. We bind our mind to the mind of Christ. Change us. Change the way we act. Change our words. God, in the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, God, we're your temples. We say, come in. Come in, Jesus. Come in and cleanse us and blow through us. you. We praise you. We praise you.